Welcome to the Sisterhood of Limitless Living podcast, season four. This podcast is dedicated to public health professionals and community leaders to help you through integrative wellness and well-being through the power of the mind. Join us as we discuss those intersections between what public health is, what the public health future can look like, how to build resilience and strength and healing for ourselves and others as we continue to serve in this field of public health and wellness. To learn more about us, visit our website at sl3podcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of the Sisterhood of Limitless Living podcast. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. And as you know, the Sister of Limitless Living podcast is about integrative and interconnected health for public health professionals and for anyone who cares about supporting the health and well-being of communities, people around them, people that they love, and caregivers as well. And so today we're talking about the Surgeon General's Framework for Workplace and Mental Health and Well-Being for 2022. This was a, a report completed in 2022. And uh, we're going to go over the six uh, criteria of uh, workplace mental health and well-being. They call it five essentials. There's a um, middle a circle foundation centered on worker voice and equity. But we'll go ahead and discuss those details in this episode. Here at the Public Health Podcast and Media Network, we love creating new events to improve public health infrastructure. We love building creative solutions, and we invite you to our next conference taking place from June 1st to the 3rd, 2023. You're invited to join us at the Public Health Informatics and Technology Conference. This is an online and hybrid event with one option to join us in person on June 3rd at the UC San Diego campus. Join us for the inaugural academic and organizational conference on public health informatics and technology where we connect to discuss topics such as EHR, governance, machine learning and artificial intelligence, big data analytics, surveillance, GIS, and much more. We also invite you to submit an abstract before March 31st. We accept four types of conference abstracts, such as individual or group presentations, group discussions, and workshops. Learn more at PHIAT conference.com public health informatics and technology p-h-i-a-t conference.com see you there so thank you again for joining us for the sisterhood of limitless living podcast season four we're talking today about the surgeon general's framework for workplace mental health and well-being and again this was written by the the u.s public health service and um was um a guide that was created in 2022. The thing that I really love about this report is the very first page of the framework and the dedication. The dedication says that this framework is dedicated to all workers who lost their lives during the pandemic and to their families. May this serve as a call to action to lift up the voices of workers, particularly those most vulnerable vulnerable, and to protect their health and well-being. I think that is beautiful, and I am very grateful for that recognition and dedication during this ongoing year four of the pandemic from COVID-19. So um, this is a really wonderful um, report, and um, our current Surgeon General is Vivek Murthy, 
and um you know they provide he provides a letter here about his story introduction letter about growing up in Miami and um his background and understanding what paycheck to paycheck living was like um with immigrant parents financial hardships and how the covid pandemic has changed the nature of work and um also what i love is the relationship has changed between what um what workers and their jobs are um experiencing and i don't know if that's necessarily a good thing it is just it is foundationally fundamentally changed now uh, the link between our work and our health is now more evident than ever and again, those relationships between workers and their jobs has changed. <clears throat> so I love that um, he also mentions that people are just more and more worried about how to make things make ends meet with uh, chronic stress, chronic disease, and uh, the demands of work and personal lives. Mental health is a growing issue. And um, the next paragraph talks about how the pandemic has presented this opportunity for us to think about how to rethink how we work. We have that power to make workplaces for engines of mental health and well-being. And uh, this will help, this will require organizations to rethink how they protect workers from harm, how to foster a sense of connection among workers, show them that they matter, make space for their lives outside of work, and to support their long-term professional growth. And, you know, he says it's not easy, it will not be easy, but it's worth it because the benefits will um, also be seen in workers and organizations. A healthy workforce is the foundation for thriving organizations and a healthy community. So I'm going to go ahead and continue off of this line here. A healthy workforce is the foundation for thriving organizations and a healthy community. I really want to talk about this as it relates to especially public health workforce, workforce organizations, departments of public health, agencies of public health, nonprofits who care about health and well-being in our communities. I want to remind everybody uh, what I just said, a healthy workforce. A healthy workforce is the foundation for thriving organizations and a healthy community. How can a public health organization um, whose staff is not healthy serve and nurture a healthy community? It just doesn't make sense. So I love the fact that there's a lot of hope and a lot of potential in this report, in this message. The website itself is beautiful. Um, from hhs.gov you can find it under framework for workplace mental health and well-being it has rainbow colors and multicolors it has so much hope and uh, joy in the design of this report and its website and it's just it's very striking so um on page five he, he talks about how workplaces can be engines of mental health and well-being in the surgeon general's report so what does that mean? How can our organizations become an engine for mental health and well-being? I can't wait to see the day that a public health organization would be that center, that center of support for mental health and well-being. The reality is, is that right now um, we have organizations in public health where buildings are condemned because people have gotten cancer 
Uh, there are organizations that have no windows, right? There are places that are in very um, depressing and destitute communities where they felt that it was the safest way to use taxpayer dollars to run public health facilities that were not going to benefit anybody, um, not even the employees that work there. There's just a lot of uh, depression. There's a lot of, um, you know, just, just a lot of a lack of hope and limited well-being in our organizations of care. You know, about 10 years ago, there was a lot of talk about joy and work. That is through the IHI, Institute for Healthcare Improvement, and um, Don Berwick's vision for the quadruple aim, and also joy and work, which I thought was such a beautiful article. And I am a little, a little bit more on the abstract side. I am not a box thinker. I don't think inside of a box. And I see that there is humanity in every interaction from the most formal and professional of circumstances to the most informal community circumstances. Showing kindness and care is a humanitarian need across all levels of formality, all levels of you know, class or environment, social, social environments and cultures. Kindness, humility, and care for one another has to be part of every single culture. And it can be expressed in different ways, but we are not going to have mental health and well-being in an organization that prefers to maintain a status quo of coldness, unkindness, competition, elite thinking, um, believing someone is better than someone else. It's not going to work. Right. So we need to find ways for organizations to begin to question the way their culture is running. Every single one of us has the opportunity and the potential to make positive change to our organizations, as difficult as it can be. Um, and if it doesn't work, um, that's a message in itself. Right. If we can't nurture, we can't create positive spaces. And we have um, gatekeepers who are going to prevent that from happening. Sometimes we just have to let that go and move forward into another environment. And unfortunately, um, it's, been, it's been tough out there. You know, um, we have a survey that we are continuing, uh, we are beginning to run now. And we would love for you, if you work in a public health related organization, to share what well-being has been like for you in your organization before and since COVID. Um, what is the culture like? Does it nurture well-being and mental health? Um, I don't think there are very many. And I would absolutely love to share examples of great organizations who do care for their staff. So anyways, moving on. Let's go into the five essentials for workplace mental health and well-being, according to this report with the U.S. US Surgeon General. And um, it is centered on worker voice and equity, which I think is so important. Worker voice, making sure that employees feel safe and able to communicate their needs, right? Communicate their concerns, communicate and 
provide, you know, praise and um, great feedback as well, positive feedback about things that are working well and equity, equity, right? Um, there are so many organizations that still don't know what equity is. And equity is about providing the needs that our communities require, right? So this is not always gonna be the same thing. One example that I love to talk about about the difference between equality and equity was that government cheese that we used to see um, when I was a kid. Um, government cheese would go out to people um, on, um, on you know, in quotes, on welfare. And um, this giant rectangular cardboard box would show up in some of my friend's living room, my grandma's kitchen table, a gigantic rectangular um, cheese um, block was showing up on people's door, right? And that's equality because my grandma doesn't eat cheese, right? She's Asian, she's Chinese, she didn't grow up eating cheese. Um, it doesn't serve the needs of um, communities who have financial challenges. Um, she's a single um, elderly woman living in her own apartment. A gigantic block of cheese makes zero sense to her, right? Um, whereas someone who lives in a family of, I don't know, five or six um, with some children might benefit from that block of gigantic rectangular um, American cheese, right? So that's, that's equality. But equity is when we realize that certain communities have specific needs that are not going to be um, relevant in different communities. So that's what equity is for those, um, especially those leaders in the field of public health who still don't know what equity is. It is not about treating people the same. It is about providing relevant uh, services to meet the particular and specific needs of communities, recognizing their culture, their background, their history, the things that they have gone through, their stories, right? So that is what equity is at the center of this uh, diagram here on page 10 of the U.S. Surgeon General's report for uh, framework for workplace mental health and well-being. So the first component um, that's centered on worker voice and equity, and you know, I feel like I'm almost telling you a fairy tale, to be honest. Unfortunately, I'm telling you a fairy tale story. This is the ideal setting for me mental health and well-being, but I don't know um, how many organizations out there are actually doing this work. Okay, so it's not, I'm telling you a great story today, um, and I will end this episode with how we actually implement things because that is um, probably 80% of the work, right? Talking about it and telling the story is great, but without that 80%, the actual work of getting things done this is just a nice piece of paper. So the first component here is protection from harm. Talks about things like safety and security, prioritizing workplace physical and psychological safety, getting enough rest, uh, supporting mental health, and uh, DEIA, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility norms, policies, and programs. Doesn't it sound beautiful? <clears throat> Um, how many of your organizations are doing all of these things at, you know, to some extent, um, prioritizing 
safety, psychological safety, especially. I think OSHA has done a great job for the most part, helping us with things like preventing falls and slips and, you know, chemical injuries in a lab, things like that. OSHA has done a great job, right? Uh, Air quality and things like that in the workplace and so on. But psychological safety is still something that is still really, really very new. Uh, in a workplace setting. I know some places have those programs. I can't remember the acronym at the moment, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, um, yeah, employee um, wellness programs and things like that. Uh, I'm not sure about how to measure the effectiveness of what those programs have been like, but psychological safety is real, right? What if your, your direct boss is a bully? It happens. It happens a heck of a lot, right? What if you're seeing... Um, disproportionate treatment, right? Where everything you do is not good enough. And then the minimum that someone else is doing is like so fantastic. It happens, right? Um, So I would love to see that protection from harm become a great um, priority in a lot of organizations that we really don't see, whether it's in public health or not. Whether I mean, ideally, I think it should be in public health as a foundational example, but um, moving on, the second component that this report talks about is connection and community. So this one's beautiful. And I think a lot of this does happen, right? We become friends with a lot of our colleagues. Um, We feel a sense of belonging to our organization. I mean, sometimes you even start feeling like they're your, your your siblings, right? Sometimes I feel like my bosses are my dads and moms and my sisters and cousins are my co- co-workers, colleagues, it has happened. Um, and then fostering collaboration and teamwork. I think we've done a fairly decent job over the years with building connection and community, right? Those great uh, programs, those great services and clubs and organizations and different um, you know, organizational uh, activities, the potluck <laughs> that so many of us have experienced in public health, the potluck, right? Um, So the next one is work-life harmony. And that one, I think sometimes people do a good job with it, Um, providing more autonomy over how work is done. Um, I think my best, my favorite bosses are the ones who give me a lot of autonomy, who just say, you know, um, by the end of, you know, two weeks from now, can you provide me with this report? I was a research analyst. I had a wonderful wonderful boss uh, in public health. My first boss in public health was wonderful. Um, And then from there, it kind of went downhill, uh, very downhill. Um, So um, autonomy is so important. People trusting in your capabilities, right? Um, Making sure schedules are flexible and predictable. Uh, I love, you know, in organizations that offer you the 980 schedule, right? Every other day off, uh, every other week when one Monday every other week off or, you know, things like that, the three-day weekend or just that middle of the weekday off uh, every other week, um, things like that. The 1040, I believe it's called, the the 10 days a week, for, I mean, 10 hours a week for four days. People are really happy with these schedules, these options, right? Uh, pay leave, um, the, uh, the ability to take leave is important. And then respecting boundaries between work and non-work time. Uh, I don't know if that's, hopefully that's improving, but I remember when I had, um, I was answering emails during my honeymoon. So that's not cool, right? So hopefully those things are being improved in your workplace, in your circumstances, or these are 
you know, these are all things if you're in a job search that you want to ask about as well. I think this is a great checklist. And this is the you know, most important page, I believe, in the book. It's page 10 of this framework. And it has the diagram and it has the different components. I think this needs to be up on every um, office wall somewhere in your organization. The next one is mattering at work. Providing a living wage is so important. So hopefully we are meeting our your cost of living where you are in your job, that the organization is meeting your cost of living needs, engaging workers in a workplace in workplace decisions. So feeling like you have an important part in um, decision making in your team matters, right? Building a culture of gratitude and recognition. That's a huge one. And I think that every single manager out there should be trained in how to do this because they're not, right? So many uh, organizations are still working off of a deficit mindset. Let's only talk to you when you've done something wrong. Let's not even notice if you're doing something okay, if you're doing a great job. Sometimes you don't even get um, any sort of acknowledgement. Um, and that has been my experience. Um, so yeah, building that culture of gratitude and recognition, I think, needs to become a foundation of organizations Connecting individual work with the organization's mission, right? That is so important, um, whether it's mattering at work or just um, understanding every single task that we do, right? Um, being able to um, know why you do what you do and having the ability to explain how it lines up to the mission of the organization, right? That way you have a sense of meaning in your work, right? It, it matters because... This is the mission of the organization. I'm not doing something that makes no sense, right? It's it's no fun when you're doing an assignment or a task that just, you're just like, why did my boss ask me to do this? All right, so understanding every activity is uh, very important in terms of funding, even um, being able to um, you know, connect your activities to the greater mission. And then opportunities for growth is the last component today. Um, on this document of the framework for workplace mental health and well-being and um, offering quality training, education and mentoring. I think public health has done a pretty decent job. Some of my favorite trainings have been like, you know, the highly effective habits or the crucial conversations. I'm sure some of you have done some of these trainings as well in your organization. Um, and, you know, sometimes you get the opportunity to go to like SAS training, SAS programmer training, got to spend three days uh, at the SAS company, right? Things like that are just so valuable. I feel important. I feel like my organization is investing in me. Uh, fostering uh, clear, equitable pathways for career advancement. That's an important one. And that does not always happen, right? Some people are given favor to um, be promoted. And others are like, you know, I've had a boss who said that he couldn't see why I should get promoted, even though I had been in that position for three years. And um, he didn't think it was um, I was ready to get the level two of the same job, um, even though, you know, I met all the criteria. So those things do happen, uh, whereas some people do get um, more um, acknowledgement or more encouragement to um, get promoted. Um, so. You know, I think that's that's an equity piece, right? Making sure especially women, women of color are given those opportunities as well. 
um, and then ensuring relevant reciprocal feedback. Um, you know, the 360 evaluation, I don't think that happens too often, right, in government organizations, but I think it's important. I would love to, you know, now that I work with interns and uh, individuals, uh, mentees, I would love to know how I'm doing as well as a, um, you know, a leader helping them um, to grow as uh, and build their careers. How am I doing in mentoring and supporting you, right? We don't get that enough. It's it's very top down still, right? It, it is just the nature of a lot of government work. It's very command and control um, or just very top down where um, everything, everything depends um, on your supervisor. The level of happiness or the level of misery often depends on who your supervisor is. So, you know, the, the truths and the realities, um, you know, as it relates to this story, this fairy tale today that I'm sharing with you of an ideal world where we have uh, workplace mental health and well-being. This is what we're talking about today. It doesn't have to be a fairy tale, right? The reality is there are so many things that still need to be fixed in our healthcare organizations, our public health organizations, places where we're supposed to be nurturing, living well, places where we're supposed to be nurturing, thriving, and quality of life. Um, we're seeing um, our individuals, our staff, where we care and, and you know live as caregivers or community health education specialists, health educators, epidemiologists, emergency health um, educators, and whatever, you know, emergency health program developers, um, all of these different things. And um, the fairy tale um, needs to become a reality. And I hope that your organization is doing something every day to work towards these five components of improving the climates of mental health and well-being in your organization, because it matters on how upon how we treat other people. How are we going to be effectively leading health education and public health initiatives if we are an organization that is rotten at the core, right? If there's something that's not working well, it needs to be fixed. And um, so let's let's make this no longer just a fairy tale. Let's make this a real um, organization uh, framework, a real place of action that's happening in our workplaces for well-being and mental health centered on worker voice and equity. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you'll sign our survey. We would love to be able to share and anonymously, of course, um, some feedback on what's going on in our public health workplace, how it's treating people am among these different five components, how it relates to health equity uh, for our women of color, our, our BIPOC staff, and our disabled staff, LGBTQI, and so on, um, various diverse communities, I would love to be able to have that information to share out there to the greater public health environment so that they know what we are facing, what we're dealing with, and what we're going through. So I'll list the survey link in the show notes. Uh, so um, also visit publichealthpodcasters.com on our homepage. I'll also include that link. So do um, participate. We would appreciate it so that we can make a better, uh, build a better culture for public health.
Thank you.